Greetings, everyone, and welcome to Tales from the Bar. I'm really happy you're here to start your weekend off right. I'm your host, Jen Noga, and today we're joined by management and creative icon, synth pop artist, Mix Lane. Grab your favorite drink, sit back, and enjoy your time at the bar. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Tales from the Bar. I'm here with Mix Lane. Hello. You can go ahead and introduce yourself. Okay, perfect. So I'm Mix Lane. I'm from Cleveland, Medina, Ohio, and I'm a synth pop indie artist. Yes. So I start off all my interviews with this very simple question. What is your favorite 90s bop? Ooh, favorite 90s bop. That's a very good question. I feel like I have to go with Bye 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 by (laughs) NSYNC because when I was little, I just had the biggest obsession with NSYNC and Justin Timberlake. He was just like always the best. And I love that song and the choreography of it was always like me little in my room, like dancing (laughs) to it. So yeah, that's one of them. And then there's like, what's that Vanessa Carlton song? Um, A Thousand Miles. Is that a 90s bop? I'll take it. Okay. Yeah. That's, that would be my, my two answers. Those are good choices. Thanks. I don't think anybody said Vanessa Carlton. Yet, really? So, yeah. Nice. Okay. But NSYNC is, is one that's been up I've there. I've heard that one. Um, Mbop is mm. another one of them. Mm-hmm. I'm going to open this before I see it. Yes. 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 I have lavender, lavender lemonade. Yum. I have liquid death, bury it alive. Ooh. It's like a sparkling water. I have. But- had that at House of Blues, not like oh, that yeah. particular one, but yeah. Liquid Death. I'm like, can I please get some water? And they're like, here's five dollars for a can of water. <laughs> and you're like, what the heck? House of Blues is like that though. All of their drinks are like, all, if you get a beer, like one of the tall boys, it's like twenty bucks. And I'm like, well, <laughs> that was worth so much. I did not need that. I didn't need it. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of drinks, what is your favorite drink to get? So lately, my favorite has been a Shirley Temple. Okay. Yeah. I'm a dirty Shirley girl, Yes. So. I love it. I love it. It makes me like, because I've been trying not to drink as much lately. It's not like, you know, I've always drank. I've always like been a big drinker. But um, I was like, I'm just going to see how long I can go without drinking. And so Shirley Temples have been like my go-to at the bar because I still want to get like a fun little drink, you know? Yeah. They're the best. <laughs> yeah. My yeah. theory with them is like, if you can't taste the alcohol yes not drinking as much Uh, yes that's so true that's so true but I went I went to a family thing and there was an open bar there Mm -hmm. and um I asked for Dirty Shirley and Mm -hmm. so she gave me a cup that was like this big and filled it up with like this much vodka and I was like I'm gonna die oh my gosh I love it it was fine yeah no I love that I also like my go-to drink at the bar is gonna be a, a gin and pineapple which like a lot of people it's like an underrated drink but it's really good the pineapple like the acidity of it like mixes out the taste of the gin so I like that one too I've never the only the only thing that I know that I like is vodka yeah and I'm not a fan of tequila yeah me neither like (laughs) I can't and like I'm gluten-free too so like I'm very limited in what I can drink I see so you know it's fine yeah but I know what I like and I everywhere I go I like do a little review (laughs) so like when I turned 21 every bar we went to I was like it's a dirty Shirley review nice kind of like that little boy who did the did you ever see the guy who or he was like five years old and he would go around to different restaurants and rate their Shirley temples yes Yes. that was cute yes just like the dirty Shirley adult version yeah I love it I want to talk about 
813 Management and Petering Studio. Yes. You okay. Also do that. Yes. Yeah. And they're all like very connected together. So in October of 2021, my boyfriend and I started 813 Management. We had like, we both were, were working remote jobs and we just had like a lot of time on our hands. And we were like, what's something that we can do to try to like get into the music industry and also try to start like providing a career for us that's like in music that can also make us money. Cause my boyfriend, he was doing like private equity at this like firm. And I, I still work at um, an accounting firm. I work remotely, but um, I do tax strategy for them. So we're both not like super passionate about that. We definitely want to be in music and 813 was kind of what we came up with and, and how we could kind of get into that industry a little bit better. Originally, I was in the band Who Saved Who. And when I was working with them, I just like was exposed to the music industry in a way that I had never really been before. And I started to realize like what I could do, like from an artist perspective to like get ahead and to try to like actually make money and like spend my time wisely. Because what I was finding is that like my time is so stretched, it's stretched thin everywhere and whatever I'm doing. And so if I can find a way to, you know, spend my time doing what I love, what I'm passionate about and what can like also make me money and like be sustainable on, then I'm going to try to do that. And 813 management was kind of how we uh, figured that out. Like, okay, let's like kind of work with you as an artist and, and figure out how we can, you know, make your artistry sustainable and also do all of the back end and management stuff, because that's what my boyfriend and I like to do and would have what we've learned how to do with our, um, with our jobs and, you know, the corporate world. So that's kind of like the story of 813 and our business is always growing and changing. And every month it feels like we're doing something different and just kind of stumbling along the way and figuring it out. But in January of this year, we got the space in Medina that we turned into a studio and that's Petering Studios out there. Like really, that was like another way where we were like, okay, let's give artists a space to be able to record in. They can utilize our management team whenever they're there. They can also work with photographers, videographers. So it's like a one-stop shop for an artist where they can come in and, you know, get a whole project ready for rollout in like a weekend or a week, however long they want to spend, and then actually like have the tools to be able to roll that out. So that's like our vision for Petering Studios. And it's kind of confusing how 813 and featuring studios like mesh together. But ultimately, I think like if I could boil it down into a couple of words, like both 813 and featuring studios are just like looking to find opportunities for artists and connect them to the right things. So that way they're spending their time in a way that is, you know, helping their career grow and getting them to a point where they can be making money as an artist and can be successful. That's so cool. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. It, it doesn't make sense. Are there any, do you have questions? No, no, okay. it makes sense to me. Okay. I'm following. I'm tracking. Okay, okay good, so. good, good, good. Yeah. Cause sometimes like, especially like, usually I have Brian with me when I'm talking about 813 and, and Petering Studios. Cause the, the two of us are, we both kind of have our own strengths and weaknesses and each other kind of fills that out. So it's nice, um, to be able to have that, that counter person. And, um, I'm definitely more on like the creative 
and vision side. And um, he's like a long term and very like organizational thinker. I'm more of like the short term, like I'll push the brakes a little bit, be like, okay, we, I know you're thinking ahead, like really far. And I know that you've got all of these like great ambitious goals. Let's just like pull it in a little bit. And then we'll figure out how to find meet at that halfway ground and actually like get things done and start to like, you know, prepare a life that can fulfill the vision that we want as artists and creators. So you guys did an event, which was Pride Prom, yes, which was we super did. fun. Thanks. What other events are you guys like planning? Like what are some ideas that you guys have? We actually don't have any events coming up. Originally, we were planning a cookout at Funkin' Ship Brewery, which is where we had uh, have done a couple events. So just for some background, Funkin' Ship was where we hosted our launch party as a company. It was really like our first event that we ever did. And the purpose of it was just to like get our names out there because we wanted to figure out a way to like have a good time, let people know what we were doing, and also give our artists a chance to like perform in front of a group of people that they hadn't before. So after that event, we were like, it would be really cool if we did events here every month in the summer and had, you know, new artists and new vendors each month. And what we figured out after planning Pride Prom and a couple other things is that we are not event planners. <laughs> we it's it's really difficult, especially because all of us do have usually like our full time jobs. And then on top of it, we're running 813. We're running Petering Studios. We're all artists. So we all have our own projects that we're working on as well well and trying to do an event like that where you have vendors and you have food trucks and you have to get all of these moving pieces um can be really really stressful um so pride prom we had it went pretty well it was uh we one of our acts like canceled day of one of our vendors couldn't come and like our food truck backed out last minute so like that was already frustrating and we were like oh my gosh like how are we going to do this again and we started planning for an event called the cookout with our artist eli orco and they're one of the artists under 813 management and it just got so busy and then and the food truck that we were going to have, it pulled out again. So like we've always had these issues and we couldn't find. So the event was supposed to be next week and we couldn't find a food vendor in time. And we were like, well, we can't really have a cookout without any food. So we canceled that event, which is kind of a bummer. We haven't like even marketed it yet because we're like, well, we got to like put all this effort into actually like promoting the fact that we're canceling the event when we kind of just want to be done with it. But yeah, so we don't have any other events coming up anytime soon. What I can tell you that we're focusing on are what, I'm not really sure what they're going to be called yet, but they're these like kind of like tiny desk concert shows at the studio. And we've recorded two so far, one with the band Hosta and another with the band Thick Kevin. And this is something really cool that the studio has been doing. And that I think that we're really going to kind of find our niche as we start to release these videos. So the whole idea with that started out with, uh, we were going to be interviewing Hosta and they were going to come into the studio and do just like a short set. We had one camera and we were just going to, you know, try to make them some content that turned into us meeting the, the lead singer of the band Thick Kevin, um, who has a production studio and he wanted us to manage his band. And we were like, 
we'll manage your band for free if you come and bring some of your video production equipment to our like little corner session that we're doing. And he was like, yeah, totally. That sounds great. So what went from being like one camera turned into like six GoPros, like three cinematography cameras, all of this lighting equipment. And that's how we ended up recording the first Hosta set, which was was really cool. When we filmed the Kevin set, we met another group of people um, called Sequential Image, and we met them through just like really randomly the the one of the girl, her name's Vanna. She met one of our friends, Ben, who works at the studio in Target. And she was returning like hundreds of dollars of clothing. And he got to talking to her like, oh, what do you do? And she said, oh, like I'm a wardrobe assistant. I have a production company. My husband does like all of these lighting things. And Ben gave him our card um, and our 813 card. It's like a metal business card. And whenever we give it to people, everyone's always like, this is the coolest thing. And she saw that and she was like, oh my gosh, I got to go get my husband. And she went and got her husband, showed him the card. And then next thing we knew, they came over to the studio and they were like, yeah, we want to help out on the corner session. So then we had like a 16 foot truck filled with like lighting equipment and production equipment. And like all of a sudden it turned into this like huge budget of a project that like everyone was kind of volunteering their time just to highlight these local bands. And I'm really excited. We're working with people in the daytime next. They're going to come and do a session and I'm hoping that we'll release those at the end of the year. So transferring from our, that's a long winded way of saying like, we're going from doing events to like transferring into the, like the digital world and figuring out how we can like supply content that way. Um, cause I think that's really where our strengths lie. I think that's so cool. Like, so fun fact about people in the daytime, yeah. um, John and Anthony, Okay, we both went to the same career school, Oh, nice. but they're a year behind me. Okay. Gotcha. So that's how I know them. Nice. And I saw them when they played with Posaga mm-hmm. at May Halls. Nice. In February, I think. Nice. And it's funny you say Posaga because we're talking to them about possibly doing one too. They're so cool. I know. I know. I love them. I love their music. I think it's really great. And it's hard to find female fronted bands in Cleveland. Like it just bands with a female in them. Like, yeah. There's not a lot. <laughs> there's not a lot. Posaga was actually the very first, like, when I was starting out, like, podcasting. Mm-hmm. They were the very first people that I ever talked nice. to. Nice. That's really cool. So it's, like, I'm, I want to have them back on now that I, like, have, like, a, like it's a, kind of like a, a setup now. Where yeah. I'm like, oh, I have, like, a groove. Yeah. Like, I kind of know what I'm doing. Because, mm-hmm. like, I started this during COVID. Okay. As just, like, something to do because I, like, dropped out of college. And yeah. And I was, like, I don't know what I'm going to do with my time. <laughs> And I was working, I was working for a college radio station at the time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we were dealing with some upper management stuff Mm -hmm. and they reached out to me about wanting to do an interview. And I said, you know, I can do an interview. Like, it's just going to get held up for a while. So I turned it into a podcast and originally I had filmed them Uh and like, put them out on YouTube, but I'm like, that's so much work. Dude. Yeah. We tried to dabble in like the podcast video space for a while. And and what we realized is that storage is expensive. Mm-hmm. It's very expensive. And like editing video is not easy to do, <laughs> especially when like, you're not like, you've never done it before. And, and you're just trying to like learn it off the bat. The audio is like way easier to handle. But once you start involving video, it's like a whole new game. 
Yeah, when I do these over Zoom, like I always record the Zoom call just in case yeah. something goes wrong. Because I interviewed Cousin Simple. Oh, yeah. And I didn't even realize that while I was halfway through recording, my card decided to stop oh, like no. recording. Oh, no. But like luckily I had recorded the Zoom call. Nice. So I had like that audio. Nice. But I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my like, gosh. That sucks. But they're they're really cool. Yeah. I've heard of Cousin Simple. They actually work with the same producer that I work with. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. So James Harker. He's down in Columbus. He's the lead singer of Spirit of the Bear. And he has a studio in Columbus called Moonlight Audio. And he records Cousin Simple. And he's done all of the songs for the Mix Lane EP. That's so cool. Yeah. Spirit of the Bear was the first band that I ever photographed. No way. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. They're so incredible. I like working with James has been really, really cool because like I, I've always really enjoyed the Cleveland music scene. I remember in like probably 2016, I went to Beachland and I was seeing, have you heard of Ottawa? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I was seeing Ottawa. I, my friend Camille and I, we loved Ottawa. We went to all of their shows and Spirit of the Bear was opening for them. And I remember like from that point, seeing that their name, like all over Cleveland and Columbus and like always getting to see them open for really cool bands. So when I found out that James was producing the Who Saved Who album, um, and I was going to get to work with him through Who Saved Who, that that was really cool and then when I started doing my own things and I asked James to work with me and he was like totally down it was like very exciting kind of surreal it felt like okay like I'm actually doing this I'm getting involved with people who I've enjoyed watching play music for the longest time and you know it just kind of feels reassuring that I'm at least going down the right path if I'm working with cool people like James yeah yeah so how did you go from like being part of a band to like doing your own kind of like solo thing? Yeah, it was it was different and it was really hard. It was like not easy, especially when I was going from doing shows like every other week, once a month um, to like not doing them at all. Because when I left the band, I didn't like it's not like I had a whole like library of songs like lined up and ready to perform. I just knew that I didn't really have time to even start writing my own songs, which is like ultimately what I wanted to do. I have really enjoyed being a solo artist because I find I'm, I'm kind of like an introverted extrovert, right? Like I need my time alone. And I, and a lot of times that comes with music and it was hard to kind of, I guess when I'm writing music, like I'm very alone in my space, like doing my thing on the piano, doing my thing with my voice. And I didn't really figure out how to fit that into a group setting with a band. So I was kind of like missing that like creativity aspect, getting to like really sit down with a song and, and write it and, and get the part that I really wanted. And it almost felt more like I was just like plugging into a spot when I was in the band versus when I was on my own, I was able to, you know, express the kinds of feelings that I'm feeling and start to like write things that I was really, really proud of. And so it's been different and I do miss performing a lot, but I'm, I'm trying to get to the point where I can, you know, perform in the way that feels right to me. Like I said, like, it's hard to find women in the music industry. And it was like really exhausting to go to shows where like, not only were all of the people that were performing men, but also all of the people that were running the sound and the venue and everything else were men too. So often, and I was like the only girl and I was like, this sucks. Like <laughs> I want there to be like feminine energy and I want to like, I don't know. I just wasn't getting that. So I 
you know, I'm trying to build that for myself and, and for yeah, a band of my own. And, and I think I'm getting there. I think I'm on the right track. I've almost, I, I'm taking time with my songs because I do want to make sure that they are right. But as far as the EP that I'm writing goes, like I am almost done with it. So I'm, and I started just yesterday, like actually figuring out the timeline of, okay, when am I actually going to drop this for a single? And when, when am I going to release the EP? And when am I like, when am I going to start performing? So it's looking like beginning of 2023, I'll start performing. I have no idea who my band is going to be behind me, but I'm hoping it will be all females. And I'm hoping that I'll be able to perform some really cool songs. That's so exciting. Thanks. Yeah, it I is. Have, I did have one of like the questions was like, oh, like new music and like projects. But like, yes, yes. you've got you're figuring out the timeline. And that's like that's the biggest part of like doing a project like this is just mm-hmm. trying to figure out the timeline. Because mm-hmm. I talked to this band Mooncase. Mm-hmm. They're playing a show at May Halls in September. And they were like, we'd love to do a podcast. But can we like air it before our gig? Yeah. And I was like, yeah, that's like not a problem. But now yeah. I'm like trying to like rearrange everything <laughs> yes. and then trying to figure out who's going to go in what order mm-hmm. and like to make it like flow kind of nice. Because yep. like you can tell which ones I kind of did at the beginning where I didn't really have like my confidence. Sure. Yet, yeah. Versus like now where I'm like, oh, like bing, bing, boom. Yes. Like I'm. I'm in the zone. Yes. And that's so this is actually really cool because that's how I look at my EP. Like the first song I wrote, I took like three months and like I took a lot of time on it. But then like I mixed and mastered it and said, okay, that's it. I'm not going to touch it again. Even though like throughout the time that I've been writing the rest of it, I've been learning a ton of new things that I definitely could and want to implement on that first song. But I'm like, I'm not going to touch it because that was like showing me at a point in my life and where I was at the beginning of this album. So by the time you get to the end of it, you see how much I've grown, not only as a singer, but as a producer, as a songwriter, like just like the maturity of my lyrics and, and how like the production skills like vary. It's, it's cool to see. And it's kind of like a diary. You get to see like how far you've grown just in like five songs. And it's kind of exciting. Does your EP have like a central like theme to it? Like, is there like a story? Yeah, I think so. So, um, I I mean, ever since I started the business and, um, you know, kind of have started taking my creativity and my artistry more seriously, there's been like this huge theme of like taking chances and like, you know, just like jumping into what you're really passionate about. So I like I did a photo shoot for one of the for one of the songs and it was me in this office that was like pinkified. I love the color pink. So there was like all I spray painted like all of these office supplies pink and it's me just like smashing these computers and like all of these things because it's like supposed to be showing this transition of me going from like a life where I, you know, I used to work like 50, 60 hours a week in an office (laughs) and that sucked. And when the pandemic hit, I started to go back into my creativity and have since found a job that allows me to be way more flexible in my time off. So it's just really showing that transition period and it's talking about change and growth and what just like needs to happen to be like your best confident self. You'll see that in the lyrics and how everything kind of like shifts as I as I write the songs. Like from the beginning, it's more of like, 
okay, you're kind of scared that you're doing this, but you're doing it. You're jumping in and you're taking chances. You're not really looking back. And then you kind of get into like the bad bitch, like confidence era where you're like, okay, she knows what she's doing. She's like finally found her like footing and, and she can, you know, go on and she's released this first EP and now, you know, like what's next. Right. I think I saw like the behind the scenes of that photo shoot because yeah. Kevin. Yes. I yes. know Kevin. Nice. So <laughs> nice. Yeah. And I think it's Observer Studios that they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. They're great. Yeah. I loved working with Lauren and Kevin and they like helped me figure like I all I knew is like I wanted it to be pink and I wanted to be like showing this like rage at corporate lifestyle and you know just thinking outside of the box even though I still have a nine to five like I you know I want people to to be able to make that change because it's not easy to make a change from like working your ass off at something that you're not passionate about to like jumping into something that's definitely more risky but will like fulfill what you're truly passionate about so it's festival season. Yes. So say you're given an unlimited amount of money. You have okay. all the money in the world. Okay. Um, to put together a festival Ooh. where you are the headliner. Ooh. Who is co-headlining with you or who do you want on the bill? Oh, I love this. Okay. So Maggie Rogers, um, Casey Musgraves, Dora Jar, uh, Hippocampus, Coin, who else? Phoebe Bridgers, maybe a little Miley Cyrus. I we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Maybe a little Miley Cyrus. Yeah, I think those are those are like, I think a solid lineup uh, for me. I yeah, Coin Coin and Hippocampus are like two of my favorite bands of of all time. Um, Hippocampus's newest EP is actually the their drums and how they produce their drums. Um, we've been implementing a lot of that into the Mixed Lane EP. Uh, so I'm really excited to like not only be working with someone who also loves Hippocampus as much as me, but can like implement aspects of their production style into my music as well, because it's pretty cool and and they're a huge inspiration. So, yeah. Do you have any other inspirations? Like, and it doesn't have to necessarily be like musically, it can be like in your life as well. Yeah, I've been listening to a lot of like Madonna um, and like Christina Aguilera, Britney Spears, like just any kind of like female figures who have have, you know, really taken the reign of, of their music and, and made it into this like power pop. Right. I, I really like the idea of empowering women and just empowering others. And I, I, when people listen to my music, I want them to be able to like feel the way I feel when I hear, you know, someone like Lady Gaga singing, or when I see someone like Lady Gaga up on stage. Right. So I think just like, that feminine power and and just like taking on the music industry. Anyone who has like a story like that, I'm inspired by. Carol King is is a big one. Every time I think about the fact that I started a studio, I think of her because like her and her husband started a studio and they were just like writing songs left and right for all of these artists. And like, it's kind of amazing when you see how many songs that Carol King has written that are like in the top forties for her. And then she had her own career as well and was also running a studio. So it's like, 
and she plays the piano and was kind of like an outsider in, in, in the way that she was, you know, just like had a different look than everyone else who was performing at that time. So she's definitely a, a big inspiration as well. I think her story kind of resonates with mine the, the most when I think of like artists in general. Unrelated to the interview, mm-hmm. but I do ask this question because normally, normally ask like, oh, you know, movie producer comes up to you and mm-hmm. they say, hey, we're going to make a movie based on your last five releases. Ooh, okay. But, but nothing's been released. Right, yet. right. I mean, if you want, you could make up a, make up a movie right now. Okay. Okay. So, so wait, what is the question? So the it's, question was going to be, what's a movie you've seen an uncomfortable amount of times? Okay. Because I've seen Ratatouille in X- okay. X-Men First Class probably like 180 times. Nice. Like <laughs> nice. <laughs> not for, not for any particular reason. Not that it's good or anything. Yeah, but yeah. There was a summer where I was obsessed with Lucas Till. I and, get it. <laughs> you know, sometimes you just got to watch the same movie over and over and over. I get it. I get it. Um, a movie that I watch over and over is Lady Bird. I think that movie is so funny. And the lead character, her relationship with her mother is like, they. who's the director of that movie? It's Isn't like it Greta Gerwig? Yes. Yes. Greta Gerwig. She, the way that she encapsulates like the relationship of that mother daughter, where it's like this love, but they also have this like hatred toward, towards each other because it's just like, you know, moms. Right. I think it's the most beautiful movie in that sense. And, and I really enjoy it. Same movie producer does come up to you. Okay. And they're like, Hey, we're going to make a movie based on this EP that's coming out. Okay. What is the, what do you think the plot's going to be? And then who do you want in that movie? Oh, okay. This is a good question. Um, so first of all, visually, it's going to be very like pink and like nineties Y2K aesthetic kind of deal. That's like, I love pink things and I love like the, the futurism kind of like modern but kid like, you know, nineties kind of feel. So I think that's going to think like, um, like clueless. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I imagine it being aesthetically a lot like clueless, but I definitely think that there's like an office scene. She's like in an office, right? Like hating her life. And then she quits her job and does something risky in the, and like also is falling in love at the same time. And I don't know how it ends yet, but like, I think that's kind of where it starts, right? It's like that person is taking on a life that they never envisioned for themselves, but always hoped for themselves, right? And is finally taking that step to be like, okay, even though I'm like this far in my life doing something completely different than what my goal is, I am going to just say goodbye to it, move on and be like, I'm a different person now. And I'm actually going to go after my goals and start investing in myself. So who do you, who do you want in the movie? Hmm. That's a good question. I feel like I need to say Shersha Ronan is her last name Ronan from Lady Bird. Yeah. You know, just because I, I love her and, and she's so wonderful. She might be like, one of the main characters. I don't know. I don't know who the men with Harry Styles. Yeah. Yeah. That's got to be the love interest. Yes. <laughs> he has to be, you know, if I get to pick. Yeah. Like, well, in that case, I want to start in the movie too. <laughs> um, get like a sweet little cameo. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Maybe like Drew Barrymore is like my cool like aunt or something. I don't know. 
Yeah. I think it'd be a cool movie. I yeah, watch it, yeah, so. it, it would be fun. I think <laughs> I really like Clueless. So yes, my yes. favorite, my favorite line that has ever been uttered to me is everyone's like when I tell them I don't have a driver's license uh-huh. like you're a virgin you can't drive and I was like don't call me out like this I love it I was actually so I just started producing a new song and I like started to take some lines from Clueless and like put them into the music which I had never done before but I was like I'm gonna try to make this work and one of the lines that she says is like you try driving in platforms and I'm like that's so accurate though it's hard to drive in platforms it's just hard driving yeah yes i agree i don't like to drive my boyfriend's always driving me around everywhere i'm like the passenger princess yes i was just having a conversation with um one of my friends yesterday and i was like i believe the term is called passenger princess. yes it is saying that his grandma is 94 she's never had a driver's license oh my gosh and I was like your grandma's a passenger yeah she really is that's how I'm trying to be forever like if I can sit in the passenger seat like playing my switch and watching tiktoks like I'm happy what's your favorite tiktok sound right now like what what gets stuck in your head oh my gosh well definitely like Chrissy wake up (laughs) it's all over it's all over that one gets stuck in my head I'm trying to think what else I've been I've been really into like interior design TikTok lately. I follow a lot of accounts that like just have really funky interiors and like cool furniture and like do DIY stuff. That's actually how I got the inspiration for like the pink wavy wall at Petring Studios. If you've seen like any of the pictures of that place, it's like very pink and very funky. And a lot of the inspiration for that place has come off of TikTok accounts. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. I was just trying to decide like if I wanted how I wanted to roll out my EP on TikTok because like I I did this whole deep dive into um, a girl. Her name's Chapel Roan. Have you heard of her? I think so. Yeah. She sings that song Naked in Manhattan, which was like really popular on TikTok. And I feel like TikTok is a way that a lot of younger people find new music now. So I was trying to think of a way that like I could get my music on TikTok and like a, so it's not like oversaturated because the way she did it, she posts 55 TikToks of just that song before it released. And I was like, how can you do 55 TikToks of one song? And and I mean, most of them were like the same thing and they were pieces of the verse, pieces of the chorus. I mean, she had practically like released the whole song on TikTok before, but I mean, clearly it did really well. So I'm trying to figure that out now. Like, do I want to do that where I'm creating 50 pieces of content beforehand this is like a question that you have to have as an artist like how much do I want to put into the content creation because that's like how people find you this is how like new audiences can reach you but at the same time like without getting caught up in all of like the social media bullshit that comes with Instagram and TikTok and just like the overthinking and stress that comes with that I'm like cheating the algorithm oh my gosh I know I'm like I don't do I need to post my song three times in a row with like the same song with like different videos or can I like have organic growth just like posting what I want to post right yeah. So, yeah, it's a debacle for sure. I'm trying to figure it out, but we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> it's always it's always like an experiment almost. Because, mm-hmm. like, I can post something on TikTok and it'll get, like, at max, like, 300 views. Mm-hmm. And then I'll post the exact same video on Instagram hmm. and it'll rack up a couple thousand. That's wild. And then I had one 
but like wasn't even it wasn't even really anything it was just me mm-hmm. being like hey i have stress hives yeah. like and i've been out of work and my boss did something really nice for me yeah and that got like four hundred thousand views and it was wild insane wild and the comments were like some of the comments were really mean but like that's typical it boosts, it boosts my engagement so like i'm not right to complain about it but i have a i have a friend and he also um did an episode for this podcast mm-hmm. um his name is double aaron okay and he's from canada and his song walk around got like a million streams like in like the first week because it what? went viral on tiktok that's wild and it's insane and see like that's what i it's like is that worth it like was that is are those thousands or those million streams like are those people then continuing to listen to his music is it like enough to make him happy. I don't know. These are things that I think about like when I'm releasing music, because especially like being on the management side of it as well, like there's always like from a management perspective, it's like, how can I make this the most successful that like it's reaching the biggest audience. But like at the same time as an artist, it's like, I just want to create and like release it, whatever makes sense so people can listen to it but i also want to make an impact too so yeah i think once you get like a loyal enough fan base yeah like honey revenge they're this band from california Mm -hmm. they have like two songs out maybe a third by the time this comes out Mm -hmm. and they're starting to get these streams Hmm. like consistently and at least i know for me because i listen to their music all the time (laughs) but like something like that where like once you find like that really loyal like Mm -hmm. group of fan base like you can post about your music, but they also post like other stuff. Too. Yeah. So yeah. it's like finding that that happy medium. Yeah. Is yeah. Hard. Yeah, it is. It, it really is. But I don't know. I, I think I'm figuring it out and, and I hope I am. I just like have to get into that creative TikTok phase again. I've like whenever quarantine first hit, I was all about TikTok. And I well, I think it might have even been before quarantine hit. I was like. All I want is for one video to go viral and like, cause I knew I could do it and it was just like, okay, how, how do I do it? And so I posted like every day for like two, three weeks and I finally got a video to go viral and it like was great. But then I was like, okay, now now what? And this was before I was making music too. So there was like less of anything for me to promote. I was just like, okay, well I did it. Now I know I can do it. And I know kind of that consistency and finding the right trends is is what it takes but yeah with your with your music you have to be careful not to like uh compromise any of like the artistry for the content so what song are you most excited to perform live Mm. and like what's the story behind that song it's funny because i so far like i said I, i it takes me a very long time to write songs and and I live with them for a while and then I say goodbye. Right. So two of the songs I've actually already performed. Um, I did a small set whenever we launched 813 at Funkinship and I did like two, I did those two songs and I did a cover. Yeah. I think I just did those three songs. So I've already performed those and it went really well and I was really excited. So I guess like now the only other song that I have done, um, it's called Waves and it's going to be the intro on the EP. And I'm really excited to perform that one because it's a little slower than the other ones that I've written so far. 
but lyrically wise, like I think it's the it's the most deep and it's the one that's going to resonate the most with audiences. I wrote a lot of my lyrics. I I'll end up like writing most of the song, but then like having a couple areas where I'm like, I have no idea what I want to say here, how I want to say it. And I'll take it to James and I'll be in the studio. Um, and James had an intern whenever I was producing there with, um, who saved who, and her name's Morgan and Morgan and I have like since formed this like really close friendship. And she, even though she wasn't interning with James anymore, I have her come to all of my sessions cause I like to have another woman in the room. Um, and having her you know, just like producer mindset perspective is nice from like the female view. So she'll help me come up with the lyrics. And for Waves, uh, she came up with this one song or this one line. And it it's very emotional. And like the minute we wrote it and the minute we wrote it down, I was like crying. I was like, why am I crying? Like this is, <laughs> this is wild. Um, so I, I think I'm excited to perform that one in person because, um, I, I like to be able to be vulnerable on stage. I like to be able to show off, like, there's so much more that you can do in a show by like showing people your emotions on your face rather than them just listening to it like on Spotify or something. So being able to like put the emotions and like just like my whole being into it and allowing the audience to see that I think will be pretty exciting. Cool. So as we're wrapping up, Mm -hmm. um, I always ask this to all the creatives that I know. Mm -hmm. Is there any advice that you would want to give to people that are just starting out or maybe some advice that you wish you would have heard? Yeah. I'm a big believer that whatever you want to do creatively, like go at it with a plan and, and go at it with intention. And if you like manifest for yourself, what you want and put it on paper and start make taking steps to make it happen, it will happen. So just kind of like taking that jump, whether it's like quitting your job to have more time to make music, or if it's like buying a setup just so you can even make music at home, like do it because, um, it will be worth it. And if you put your mind to it and you really just like put it out into the world and believe that it can happen, it will. So as they say on the game show, Hot Ones, congratulations. You've completed the interview. You did fantastic. Thank you. You Use this camera, this camera, this camera. (laughs) And you can tell the people what you have going on. So if there's anything that you want to plug for the listeners. Um, I don't have anything to plug right now, but be on the lookout for me to release music by the end of this year. You can follow me on Instagram at mixlane.music. It's the same on TikTok and Twitter. You can find me there and I'll be posting about all of my upcoming music and any events. Amazing. Thanks. Hi, it's Jen again. I want to thank you for listening to this episode. Keep up with Mix Lane on Instagram at mxlane.music or check the link in the episode description. As for me, you can find Bar Buddies on Instagram at barbuddiespod and tell me who you want to see on the show next. This episode was produced in collaboration with Voltage Live.